Well, it's great to be with you this morning. Before we jump into the book of Revelation, I just want to just say thank you to Bethesda once again for all of your prayers last month as we were involved in our 44th crusade in Central and Latin America. What I want to do real quick is just show you like a little seven second clip of what that looked like because you were a part of it. Praise the Lord. Now, I, I, you know, yes, amen. Just thankful, too, for a couple of pictures I want to show you as a dad. Just um, here's the first one with Riley and Yvette standing in the back of a pickup truck. And they're just, you know, we pull into different neighborhoods and we just start preaching the gospel. You'll see that there's food in the back of that truck that you guys, again, you help us provide that for all the neighborhoods. So I was really proud to see Riley there preaching the gospel. And the vet did a really great job working with her. And then we got one more. This is Anna on Saturday night praying over thousands and thousands of people, just asking the Lord to bless and open their heart. And so uh, I was really proud of her for doing that. Amen? Let me just say, just real quick, it doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. If you open up your heart before the Lord, what he has for you uh, just goes beyond anything you could hope for or imagine. So, so thankful for that. Okay, let's pray, and then let's get started. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your presence. We celebrate you today. Lord, as we were reminded by Pastor Dan, last week was Easter, your triumph, your victory, and that victory continues to this morning. And so, Lord, we humble ourselves before you. We seek your face. We ask that, Lord, that you would burn inside of us a new hunger. Lord, a hunger that would just run wild after you. And so, Lord, take this service. Use it as you will. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to read one verse out of the book of Revelation. And what we're going to do this morning is we're actually going to invert it. We're going to end the message on this verse, and we're going to work our way to it. But it's Revelations 19, verse 1, and it says this. Read it with me. After these things, I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory, honor and power belong to the Lord our God. You may be seated. I want to work through what we've just come through in this Easter season by backing up and talking a little bit about heaven before the cross, then touching on the cross, and then looking at what's going on now after the cross and believing that the Lord's going to inspire us along the way. You know, it was a couple of years ago that I started thinking a lot more about heaven when my, my father passed away, and I just began asking the Lord, I said, you know, it's our loss here, but it's certainly his gain. And I begin asking the Lord and start working into the word. I want to know more about heaven. I want to ask you to put a, a deeper fire and passion in my heart for the things that are eternal and for the things of God and for heaven. And I begin thinking a little bit about it was, and I just want to begin to try to lay it out a little bit as I feel like the Lord has revealed it to me. I got to thinking, when I get to heaven, I'm going to get to see my dad again. And that's going to be amazing. But it's not just my dad. I got to thinking about people who went before him, family members, friends, people who opened up their heart, gave their life to Jesus, was alive in the Lord, washed in the blood of Jesus, and stepped into their eternal inheritance. And the joy they must be living in right now goes beyond our imagination. 
And so I began thinking about how amazing heaven must be just to be surrounded by so many families and friends. How beautiful that must be. And it never ends. It's forever. But heaven's more than that. Think about all the people you've read in the Old Testament. People, I know Dr. Marty would know a lot of people from the Old Testament. Just think about the Ruths and the Esthers. Think about the Jeremiah's and the Joshua's, the Daniel's, the Moses, the Abraham's. Think about all those people that you read about, that you studied, that you took encouragement from, and all the things that took place. All those people are in heaven. Can you imagine one day you're gonna get to sit down with so many of those people and you're gonna hear their story And you're going to learn what it was like during their lifetime to live for the Lord and to see his faithfulness released to them. But it's more than just that. Imagine all the New Testament heroes like Simeon and like Anna, like Peter, like Paul. So many people in the New Testament who wrote letters and we read their words even to this day. We celebrate their lives today because they're examples to us even after the resurrection. Can you imagine sitting down with them and seeing them and hearing how the Lord used them and his faithfulness and just the fire that they walked the earth with, the passion they had after the resurrection. Can you imagine how awesome it's going to be to see them but heaven's more than that it's much more than that can you just imagine for a moment the first century church the second and third century church one of the most persecuted eras in church history people who were martyred by the thousands people like polycarp and many others that when you read their testimonies it amazes us how bold they were for the lord in the face of certain death can you imagine sitting down with all these martyrs and hearing their passion for the lord and the cost that they paid for that passion But it's more than that. Can you imagine moving through the dark ages, moving all the way through the Reformation, all the way to this past century and today, people who are heroes, who have been on fire for God, who love Jesus, have been washed in the blood of Jesus, and hearing their inspiring stories firsthand of how God moved in their life, how he drew them to himself, and how they surrendered their life to be used by him. But it's more than that. Can you just imagine for a moment, if you could just take the roof off for a second and gaze into heaven what you would see. We know about the pearly gates, but can you imagine it? We know about the emerald walls and all the different stones, precious stones that make up the walls, but can you imagine that? Can you imagine the streets of gold? We've read about it, can you imagine that? Can you imagine a place of such beauty? A place of of such splendor. And it's a place that's going to be our home forever. Can you just imagine how beautiful that is? But it's a lot better than that. Can you imagine the creatures that fill that place? Can you imagine seeing the cherubims? Hearing the seraphims? Can you imagine coming into the throne room? And at this throne room, there is a sea of glass. At this throne room, there is an emerald rainbow that goes all the way around it with 24 other thrones that go around it. And around that throne, there is thunders and there's lightnings. There is not a greater place of energy pulsating in the known world than heaven. And in that throne room, you have the seven spirits of God. In that throne room, you have the four living creatures. In that throne room, you have the 24 elders who throw down their crowns and worship him and say, worthy is the Lord. Over and over and over. 
But it's even better than that. At the heart of all this wonder, at the heart of all this glory, at the heart of all this majesty and splendor, stands somebody whose name is above every other name, a name that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And that name is Jesus. That name is Jesus. That name is Jesus. At the center of it all, all that majesty, all that wonder is Jesus. Now can you imagine being the center of all of that attention, of all of that majesty, all of that praise, all of that beauty? Can you imagine being surrounded by all of that and ever in a million years want to leave such a place? Think about it. What would you do? Surrounded by so much glory, so much created wonder, so much beauty, songs, songs that we cannot even put into words because they're too beautiful for this planet. Surrounded by all this glory. I wouldn't want to leave that place. You wouldn't want to leave that place. But something motivated the heart of Jesus to run out of that place. What could possibly motivate Jesus to say, I'm going to walk away from all this grandeur and riches and beauty and power? You And you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and me, and all of us. You want to know what the picture was that he was running to? Because as much as we would want to say, oh, it must have been just equally as amazing as he was looking out and looking down, and what he saw must have been just as splendid, such as beautiful, such as powerful and glorious, that it would have been easy for him to step in and make that transition. No. This is what he saw. In the beginning, there was a relationship in which God created all things for us to be in fellowship with him forever, for him to receive to us, to, to reveal to us such glory and character and nature and honor. But Stephen did something that was common to everybody. He rebelled against heaven. And there was a gap. Not a big gap, but a gap. But then Stephen rebelled against heaven again. There was a gap. A little bit bigger gap, but it was still a gap. And then Stephen did something else. I rebelled against heaven again. I began to speak words that were boastful and that were proud, that were profane. And the gap got bigger and bigger. I began to think things, lust things, imagine things, and the gap got bigger and bigger. I began to do things and act out things, and the gap began to get bigger and bigger. And it just seemed like the more and more I kept moving, I was opening up a bigger and bigger gap, and it became so wide, it was a chasm. And there was absolutely no possible way I could ever reconnect with God. But it was worse than what I was drifting from. It was what I was drifting to. No, what I was being driven to. And that was darkness. That was destruction. And it was certain death. And Jesus looked down from glory. He looked down from heaven. And grace and mercy said, no. 
That's why he left heaven. He left heaven because Stephen was so lost, so separated from God, so bound up in darkness and iniquity, on my way to certain death. Jesus said, no, no. And so he came. Last week we celebrated his coming. We celebrated that Jesus stepped out of heaven. We celebrated the one who hung all the stars on nothing, shrinking himself to fit within that which he created. We celebrated the one who is eternal, stepping into human history. We celebrated the greatest one who humbled himself to make himself the lowest one into the womb of a virgin. We celebrated the fully God, fully man, for 33 years, walking without sin, being tempted in every way that we were, but remaining blameless. We talked about last week how he went to the cross and he laid his life down willingly. They did not humble him at the cross. Jesus had already humbled himself by coming from heaven to earth and walking this life to the cross. On that cross, he suffered, he bled, he died. Now in a moment, I'm going to circle back to what that means about the divide and what it means about the darkness. But let me continue the story. Jesus dies. And what happens when he dies is he goes into the deepest place of hell. And there he walks into where death and grave have their sting, where they have their victory, where they boast and are proud. And he walks in, he's through that darkness. He walks into that despair. He walks into all of that ugliness and death and says, I will take those keys. They are mine forever. Goodbye. Jesus then rises from the dead and then ascends to heaven where he sits down at the right hand of the Father and even now as we're in this place is making intercession for every single one of you and me. Now you got to hear this. The book of Revelation, and we've already described a little bit about what that throne looks like. But the book of Revelation gives us a picture in chapter 5 of what it looks like when Jesus walks back into heaven, having suffered, died, and rose again. In chapter 5, you see that there is a, a scroll that nobody is worthy to open. No one has the power to open it. No one is holy enough or glorious enough. No one has the right to it. And when John first sees it, he is overwhelmed by the fact that there is something in heaven or earth or underneath the earth that nobody has access to. How could there possibly be something beyond the worth of anybody and everybody? But then the root of David walks into the room. Then the lion of Judah walks into the room. Then the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world walks into the room and he takes the scroll. And as soon as that happens, everything explodes in heaven. The cry goes out, worthy, worthy, worthy is the lamb who was slain, who has redeemed us by his blood forever. And something amazing begins to happen. And this is for the musicians in the room. 
when something begins to happen, you see that the, the four living creatures and the 24 elders, they begin to cry out to God and they begin to lift up the cries of worthy, worthy, worthy is the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. That must have been amazing. But it's better. Because the rest of heaven could not contain itself. They're watching the four living creatures. They're watching the 24 elders crying out worthy. And like a mighty crescendo, all of heaven, it says that 10,000 times, a hundred million angels jump in to the cry and begin to lift up their voices. You are worthy. You are worthy. You are the one who died. And by your blood, you have redeemed us all. Can you imagine that? All of heaven crying out praise and worth and glory and honor to the lamb that was slain for you. But it gets better than that. It's like everything else, anywhere at all, cannot contain itself. Suddenly it's not just heaven erupting. It says that all the earth, everything underneath the earth, the sky, the, the seas, everything begins to lift his voice and cry out that he is holy and that he is worthy and that he is glorious. And can you just imagine what that must have sounded like? This is Jesus who left glory because he saw Stephen going the wrong direction. Stephen I created you, and I've come to redeem you so that we can be reconnected. I want to show you all the glory of heaven. I want to show you all the wonder. I want to show you all the might and all the majesty and all the splendor. I want you to see all that's there, all the creatures, all its worship. I want to bring you into this. And that brings us to Revelation 19. And it says this, after these things I heard a loud voice and they were saying, salvation and glory, honor and power to the Lord our God. I love that first word. I mean, alleluia means praise the Lord. And then that next word is salvation. You know, when I stand before the Lord, I can personalize it. My salvation, because you are glorious and you're honorable and you're powerful. You are my Lord, my God, my great redeemer. And this morning, I think back to what happened here. I think back to Jesus came, not just so he could redeem me here, but that he could redeem me from here. Because as I was getting further and further away because of my rebellion against heaven and because of my selfishness, I was being driven into darkness, into despair, and into depression and certain death. So Jesus comes and he drops a cross right in front of my road. A big roadblock, if you will. Paying the price for my sin. Paying the opportunity that I no longer have to go that way. Here, and here's the thing. That roadblock, that cross, is a place for decision for every one of us. Because one of two things happen at that cross, at that roadblock. We either recognize the incredible cost he paid and the price he went to so that he would redeem us to himself, washing us, cleansing us, and turning us around. Or 
And this is tragic. You step around the cross. And you keep walking in your darkness. You keep walking in your sin. And you keep walking towards sure death. You see, there are two plans at place at that cross. The enemy comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. He's campaigning at that roadblock for you to say, eh, maybe another time. That's what he's after. He wants to steal you from the Lord. He wants to destroy your life. And ultimately, he wants to kill you and drag you into eternal hell. But this blessed roadblock, for those of us who kneel there, many of you have. And to think, oh, my Lord, you came from glory so that at this place, I would no longer have to go this way. But I willfully turn, not my will, but your will. And to your amazement, there's a bridge. That which was a chasm, impossible to get back to, he takes his cross and he lays it down and it becomes a pathway for us back to God. What we were unable to do for ourselves, he has suddenly made a way. And let me tell you something about what's on the other side of the cross because there are two things today. You were either on this side of that cross or you're on that side of the cross. Let me tell you why you want to be on that side of the cross. There's a million reasons, but when you read Revelation 19 and they're crying out, hallelujah, salvation and glory, honor and power to the Lord our God, this is right before the biggest party that has ever been seen. I mean, it's just a few verses before it. It's the marriage supper of the Lamb, and here's what's happening. God is so excited that there is a bridge that lets us come back to him. He's so excited that we no longer have to be separated because his son Jesus has paid the price that we can be cleansed by our sin, that we can be redeemed from our disasters and our darkness, and he has made a way for us. God is so excited about the people who are coming across the bridge. He is throwing a marriage supper for all of us. For all of us. So which side of the bridge are you on? If you're on this side and you're contemplating the roadblock, well, I could. It's your choice. Jesus is not going to make you make a choice. He's not going to grab you by your hair and drag you back across the bridge. He wants you with the same passion that he came running after you. He wants that same passion to rise in yours. I'm coming. I'm coming. He wants us running after him. Passionately pursuing him. Gladly leaving our old ways and embracing the new ways. Now in a moment, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a simple invitation. And then after that, I'm going to pray a blessing over this house, over the families in this church, over us individually. But I wonder how many people are on this side of the bridge this morning. And I was asking the Lord, what type of story or picture can I provide that in addition to this one may be helpful. And I felt like the Lord gave me a picture of me. Kind of scary. But this is what he said. He said, another way of looking at it, Stephen, is I, I looked down from heaven and I, I saw that you were drowning 
in worldliness. I saw that you were drowning in your rebellion. I saw that you were drowning in your cordiality, in your sensuality, in your selfishness. And I saw that you were drowning down one time, down two times, and you had one more time down and then you were gone. This is what Jesus did for me and what he did for you. He dove into the waters of darkness. He dove into the waters of depression and despair, the, the waters of rebellion and sin, and he began to swim towards me, never dropping his head, eyes always on where I was, swimming, swimming, strong arms of Jesus swimming towards me. He got to me, and he threw out a lifeline, a blood-red lifeline. I'm drowning. I have this lifeline. And like everything else like we talked about last week, what we're talking about right now, I had a choice. Now, there are three types of choices involved here. The first one is take it. Embrace it. Because what's going to happen is he's going to bring you to himself, and he's going to put his arms around you, and he's going to set your feet on a rock that cannot be moved. But there are two other choices. There are those who just, I'm just too weak. I'm just, I'm too afraid. And you literally just give up. And you're swallowed up. Friends, nobody is beyond the reach of Jesus. He loves you so dramatically that he demonstrated it so dramatically so that you may be saved. The other choice is just as bad. It's the person who feels like, I'm okay. I'm strong enough right now to to tread the water and just to swim around this lifeline. But let me tell you something. No matter how strong you are, you will get tired. And let me tell you, no matter how confident you are, that confidence will be broken. And let me tell you, no matter how much you think, I can make this work on my own, it won't. And what happens when your strength is gone? You become like the person who just gave up. Or you're the person who threw his arms or her arms around that life preserver. I just want to ask everyone to stand. Like I said in the moment, I'm going to pray a blessing over this congregation. But before I do that, I'm an evangelist. And I make no apologies for asking the Lord to throw that lifeline out one more time. You may be here. And you're in the water, and you're struggling, and you know you're struggling, and you know that you're drowning, and you desperately need hope. There is a preserver washed in the blood of Jesus that if you will lay hold of, he will draw you to yourself. You shall be rescued by God himself, and the future that you have will be like, unlike anything you could ever hope or imagine. There could be some of you here, maybe it's young men. Oh, I'm strong enough. I can wait a little bit longer. you got to know that's the plan of the enemy. Hey, you don't need to get right with God right now. You've got to get your fun out of the way, and maybe later you're going to get right with God. Oh, but he knows there's a shark coming your way. He knows there's seaweed that's going to tangle you and pull you down. He knows if he can just wait a little bit longer, you will drown too. Friends, there's a lifeline covered in the blood of Jesus to those who would say, I need Jesus to be the one who rescues me. I need Jesus to be the one who saves me.
It is an act of the will to take that life preserver. But when you do, your salvation is secured and your invitation is set for the party. You're here this morning. And there is that cross. It has now officially been put in your road. Maybe there's somebody here you've never heard the gospel message. That we were lost in our sins, but Christ loved us, that he came and died for us. You may be here and you've never once heard that there was hope. Hope beyond this world. Hope in this world. Through the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ. I have met people like that. They have never heard with their ears. And they would simply say, I have been waiting for somebody to invite me into a relationship with Jesus Christ. That invitation is yours today. As the roadblock of heaven has been dropped in front of you. If you're on this side of the bridge, what are you going to do right now? Are you going to turn willfully and willingly Run back across that bridge. You can even look down and say, I can't believe all that was me. Because you're going over here. Where all that's going to be put behind you. All that's going to be forgiven. All of that's going to be forgotten. You're not joining a club that they're going to be like, oh, remember when you did that wrong? I cannot believe you were so foolish to do that. I can't believe that came out of you. No, because of the blood of Jesus, it's going to be gone. You're no longer going to be a slave of sin. You're a son and daughter of the Most High King. When you walk across that bridge, you become royalty, eternal royalty. That's his gift to you. And so I just want to ask a question, and I'll ask it in terms of the life preserver. So anybody here today, and you would say, Stephen, I know I'm drowning. Would you pray for me? I want to lay hold of that life preserver. I want Jesus to wrap his arms around me, those arms of grace and mercy. I want him to set me on a rock. Stephen, would you pray for me that as I willingly turn, that I would walk across that bridge with my name written in the invitation list. If that's you this morning, you would say, Stephen, I know that I'm lost. I know that I'm drifting. I'm even being driven in darkness. And I would ask you, Stephen, to pray for me. Would you raise your hand? Anybody over here? Just raise it and then put it back down. Okay? Anybody over here? Okay, I see your hands. Anybody up there you know that you need right now? Yeah, okay. Anybody here? I see your hand. Thank you, ma'am. Anyway, I see you, sir, in the back. Thank you very much. God loves you. He loves you. Anybody else? You would say, pray for me. I need to tell to take that preserver. I want to come across that bridge. Anyone else over here? You say, pray for me, Stephen. Thank you, young man. God bless you. God bless you. Here's what I'm going to do because I want to get to the blessing. Would everybody repeat this prayer after me? But before you do, where is uh, Dr. Marty and Pastor Josh? Come here real quick. I saw the young man and the young ladies and the other people who were raising their hand. These two pastors want to meet you personally after the service. They're going to share with you something, and it's going to be so valuable because here's the thing. You're not now just coming into the celebration dinner with Jesus, but welcome to Bethesda Community Church, part of your church family here on earth. Okay, thank you. So everybody, let's pray this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, let's say that louder. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for the roadblock of the cross that you came from heaven 
and that you gave your life for me. That you paid the penalty that I should have paid. Lord, I believe that you died on the cross. And I celebrate that you were risen from the dead. And so, Lord, I turn. And I come across the bridge. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you receive me. I am yours forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we say thank you, Jesus? You know, the biggest, the biggest miracle is salvation. I mean, when you come with us on the crusades, you see people getting out of wheelchairs. You see people who are bound in the dark. I mean, you, we have seen people brought to the crusades in chains. You know, on one side, the father. On the other side, the brother. Absolutely so bound up in the demonic that they explode and those chains break. And so the two men of the family are protecting them. We've seen deliverance. We've seen eyes that are blind open, so many miracles, but none of it compares to when we give our soul to Jesus. It is the most, it's the biggest decision you ever make in your life to say, I'm his. And I love that phrase. I already said it once, but I'll say it again. Young man, sir, ma'am, no longer a slave of sin. You no longer carry that stench anymore. It has been put on the cross, and you bear it no more. And you can say, it is. It is well, amen. Okay. Here's what I want to do. And I felt that the Lord led me to, to do this. I hope it's okay. I'll ask for forgiveness later if it's not. Jesus loves you, people. He loves you. He loves you so much. The cross is not just a one-time event. It's not just that he came and gave his life so that we could be saved later. Like Pastor Dan said, salvation is something that has happened, is happening, and continue, and will ever happen. So when you give your life to Jesus, because he loves you, he embraces you, and then you step into a new life. It's filled with promise, filled with purpose. And what I want to do today is ask the Lord to bless you. That if you're hungry for the Lord, that that fire would be stirred up inside of you. That you would become a God chaser, running after him with everything that you have. Because yes, we only have a little bit of time here, but he wants to use that time for glorious and great things. You may be here this morning, and you do have a need. When the Holy Spirit comes, he is able to heal you completely. He is here to deliver those who are bound up in depression to bring you out of sickness and darkness. Some of you may be so hungry for the Lord today, you're just like, I'm ready to receive my prayer language. He can do that too. So I want everyone to raise their hands. I'm going to just pray a blessing over you. As I begin to pray, I want to encourage you to begin to cry out. I want you to hear again the cry from, from Revelations 19. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Salvation and glory. Honor and power to the Lord our God. 
This is the cry going out now as heaven is exploding in worship and in praise because Jesus is worthy. Jesus is worthy. Jesus is worthy. And because of the cross, he's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And because of the resurrection, he's won. He's victorious. He's triumphant. And so as I begin to pray, would you begin to cry out to him? Would you begin to lift your voice to him? Would you begin to worship him and just absolutely surrender to him? Are you ready? It's coming to you. It's coming to your household. It's coming to this church and in faith. It's going out to the church globally. Underneath the authority of God, in the mighty name of Jesus, receive the Holy Spirit now. Receive it now. Cry out. Cry out. Cry out. Come on, church. Cry out. Receive your blessing. Receive your blessing. Cry out. Cry out. Cry out. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's wonderful. He's victorious. He's glorious. Receive your blessing. Every person receive it. Receive it, every family. Receive it, Bethesda. Revival. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Cry out, church. Cry out. Receive your blessing. Holy Spirit's upon you. Some of you are going to be healed and are being healed right now in Jesus' name. Receive your prayer language. Let your hunger, let the wells be opened in your heart for more of him to go deeper, to run harder. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Bless you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. 